Hi, I'm Jackie Jones and welcome to my podcast, Living Life Being Human, the number one podcast for anxiety, stress and mental health support. Don't forget to click subscribe to be notified of my latest podcast episodes. And if you get any value from this podcast, please support me by leaving a review. It really does help me out and it motivates me to keep making these podcasts. You can connect with me on social media at Jackie Jones Coaching and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get weekly videos all around anxiety, stress and mental health. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi and welcome to this episode. I think we're up to episode 19 now and this is Jackie Jones, um, Living Life Being Human and I've got a guest this week, mm, Sari Taylor. Um, Sari's a colleague of mine, we've known each other for quite a few years now, shocking how long we've known each other really. I always say it's about four or five years but that stopped about four or five years ago. <laughs> very long time, very long time. Um, Sari's also trained in transactional analysis and works as a coach, seeing clients in private practice, you're a, a renowned author now as well Ooh. with two books under your belt. I do, I do yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Um, I, what do I do? I do, I'm a coach and I run online programs and yeah, I do a book, can't say the name, the title of my book though on her, can I? I don't know what. Yeah, it's for adults. Okay, yeah. Anxiety is a fucker, it's called. Or is Beep! It? <laughs> um, which is really about me talking about my history when I was really anxious and then sort of the insights that I had along the way and where I'm at now kind of thing. Um, and I tend to work with everybody and anybody, really. Families, children, adults, couples. I'm open to anything. Yeah. Based in Manchester, around Manchester. Yeah. Um, so we both trained at the same place. In fact, I, if I remember rightly, it was you that got me into transactional analysis in the first place. Pulled you into it. Yeah, she's got a lot to answer for. But we were talking this morning because we went out for waffles and a breakfast a yeah, big breakfast. I had strawberry chocolate and Nutella waffles, and I'm not going to lie, she's I struggling. feel quite sick right now. <laughs> it didn't touch the sides, and she's struggling, bless her. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about parenting, and that's something that we used to do together mm-hmm. quite a while back. Yeah. Yeah. We were doing loads of parenting through Parent Plus, weren't we, which is still all there. It's still online. there, yeah. Um, but it's something that, again, we both still work on and touch on, don't we? And, and we were just saying before that actually for some reason, I don't know, the way the wind blows, but we both seem to be doing more and more of that again, don't yeah. we? It seems to go in full circles and cycles. I think probably partly in relation to what's going on locally in terms of mental health services for families and CAMs and all of Definitely, that. Definitely, yeah. I would imagine that when things become difficult within the services or they're restored, they're, you know, more strained or not as available then tend to find yeah. much more I think that's one of the things I hear from parents the most is that the waiting lists are mm, horrendous huge, yeah. yeah yeah and and not always I mean I'm not criticizing them because I'm sure they do the best they can given what they've got but you're not always guaranteed to see the same person every time no. it's not that consistent so it could kind of end up feeling like it's going on for a very long time and yet the results are often feel quite slow for families yeah so what, what's, I know you spoke about um, speaking to parents quite recently. What would you say is one of the most common questions that you get asked or one of the issues that seems to... I would say, um, I would say always, always, is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say 
always or more often than not always come it comes back to the the fear cycle that the parent is often in about their child's future so whatever it is whether it be they're displaying difficult behaviors or they're anxious or they're depressed or fed up or whatever it is what I find is really really common is that parents just want their children to be happy they just want their children to have the best possible life ever and we don't always account for the fact that we're human and we will go through stages where we feel stressed or overwhelmed whether we're a child or not and I think the big thing for me is one one of the things I work with parents around is about getting them to see it from a maybe slightly different perspective whereby they don't they're not parenting through fear if that makes sense so they're not kind of because it can become all consuming and then it takes over the whole family and the siblings and then it can affect their relationship um you know the spotlights on it all the time absolutely it becomes like this almost full-time job managing maybe one child's behavior or one child's anxiety um and often that is it's because you're all stuck in this cycle of fear everyone feels like they're walking on eggshells the most common thing that i get told is that you know they know they need to put more boundaries in and they know they're maybe doing too much for their child but actually they don't want to um not do it because they don't want to make them worse and more anxious that's one of the things if 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 I was to answer the same question that's what it would be for me is guilt and I often get on my soapbox about it when parents say to me that the children are their best friends Mm. no Mm. you that that and they're not going to like you all the time. That's the other thing. Yeah. Parents want to be liked by their children, which is understandable because none of us want to be disliked. Yeah. But in my mind, and it is just my opinion, that if my kids like me all the time, I'm not doing my job right. No, because structure and boundaries has to come into it. They do, because it's what makes people, children and adults, actually often feel safe. It's like yeah. we, we kind of know where we stand. Yeah, there's no grey areas. No, and the biggest, That's the, thing, rule. the biggest thing with anxiety particularly, which is what I often get asked about a lot, is that part of what makes us stuck in a cycle of anxiety, overwhelming, sort of overthinking everything, we start to lose trust and faith in our own gut instincts. Yeah. And we don't see ourselves as resilient anymore. We yeah. think that actually we're we're not resilient, we can't cope, we're not able. And then children will start to think, I'm not okay if I'm not with my parent, you know, I can only eat certain things, or I can only they start to really distrust their ability Everything. and their resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, so if you're doing everything for your child, even though it's coming from a really caring and compassionate place of wanting them to be okay, you know, well, if I don't feed them or if I don't make them food then they're not going to eat. Well, actually, they're going to get to a point where they get so hungry, actually, they will eat. And what are we teaching them about resilience? One of the biggest things I learned in terms of my own anxiety journey is when I would get particularly anxious, I would think, oh, I can't cook, I can't do this, I can't put a wash on, I can't can't even get in the shower and wash and dry my own hair because everything felt such a big deal and such a chore. And one of the things that helped me actually recover from all of that is realizing that even with anxiety I can still do everything yeah yeah it might not be comfortable I was just going to say it might not yeah feel nice really yeah, easy yeah, really, yeah but I can do it yeah. and it's about again building up that resilience so you know because how far do we take that you know children parents will worry when their children start saying they don't want to go to school anymore or they don't want to go out with their friends or they don't want to leave their bedroom and it's like because they're starting to believe 
that their world has to shrink and yeah. they have to it's not safe yeah you know, they trust have to stay themselves. in a certain yeah. place or be around certain people because otherwise they, they can't cope and it's actually not true no just spat on the microphone I'm so well sorry. don't spit on my microphone please <laughs> it costs me a lot of money <laughs> no but i i completely agree there's there's something about needing to be taken care of when you're not in a good or when you think you're not in a good place and when you were saying about you can't cook and you know that's how you felt I would you have dealt with that because straight away in my mind I was thinking well I would support somebody in that and maybe do it together as opposed I'm a rescuer that's what I have always done Mm -hmm. so I could see myself in the past just jumping in and cooking and cleaning for you and taking care of you but that's not always the best thing to do if somebody is struggling maybe with mental health yeah, I suppose it's, everybody's different and every person is different. But I think, yeah, you, you could do that. That could be a really, like, halfway house, couldn't it, where you could say, actually, yeah, let's do it together and I'll do it with you. But then it depends if they then start kind of just letting you take over and they're still not doing anything that's not as effective. And sometimes it's better just actually to, to leave But if we're talking it. about a parent-child relationship, yeah. how would you play that? Looking back at it now, you being on the receiving end of it and suffering from anxiety... Mm-hmm. How would you deal with it if if your child came to you and said, "I feel really anxious, Mum"? The biggest thing for me is is is, and I suppose this is where it comes back to what we were saying at the beginning about seeing them through eyes of fear. So if I think back to when I didn't fully understand anxiety, if my daughter had have been, I don't know, stressed or worried about something. In my head, I would have thought, oh, I need to make it better for her. I need to... She feels how I used to feel. Yeah, she feels how I feel. I was only seeing her through my eyes. So I was then having all of this fantasy that she would feel really awful. And that actually wasn't her experience. And so it's very easy to then feel like you, you want to take over and make it better and fix it and certainly not make them worse. But actually now when I look back and people around me were nothing but supportive but would often, when I was anxious, do everything for me and take over. Even as an adult, yeah. I would literally everything would be taken off me. Like, oh, don't worry, we'll pick, we'll pick your daughter up. And With the best intention. Absolutely. Yeah. Loving, compassionate place. But actually, in hindsight, it would reaffirm that I wasn't capable, Yeah, that I wasn't okay. And yet, actually, what when eventually it started to feel better and easier is... You know, I could go on the school run, drop my daughter off to school, and I could be heaving. I felt that sick with adrenaline walking back to the car. And, yeah, that's not pleasant. But, actually, it, it in a way, it taught me something. It taught me that I can be heaving and walk back to the car, and it will pass, and it will settle, and, be okay. and I am capable, yeah. Yeah. and I don't need to be locked away in a room. So it's about – it's always – I suppose one of the things I would say is always ask yourself, what's the message I'm sending? in terms of their resilience, you know, oh, I'll do that for you, or I'll, you know, one of the messages that I always reiterate to my daughter, no matter how she, because she suffers with gastric acid reflux, and so she can feel quite sickly for stages, you know, for a month at a time, and, and it does affect how she feels, yeah. because it's, it's draining and it's exhausting. And But the thing I always do is I'm not like kind of saying to her, oh, well, it's tough, get on with it, you've got to, but actually saying, you can still manage. Yeah. And actually, if it feels worse at any point or you feel really sick, you can go to the nurse at school and lie down or you can come home. It's like, let's just get on with life yeah. as best we can as, yeah. alongside the discomfort and know that whatever happens or whatever outcomes or eventualities happen, knowing we will always manage. Yeah. If we need to go to the office in school and say, I need to we go home for my mum, whatever, we, what we can do, do that. Yeah, yeah, because we don't know actually that, and what would happen 
99% of the time is she would go in and it would pass and she would forget about it and she'd be okay. Yeah. Whereas actually, if I was anxious myself, in like in the past, I'd probably say, oh, I'll keep her off. I couldn't bear the thought of her being in and feeling like that. That's terrible. Why would I want that for her? Yeah. And actually would have been giving her a really bad message that... You're not, you're not okay if you feel a bit sick. Yeah. You, you can't make your own room. decisions. I need to make yeah. it for you. Yeah. And you yeah. can't, you know, trust in our bodies. Even things like panic attacks. People say, I can't go out because I'm worried I'll have a panic attack. So, well, actually, if you have a panic attack in the comfort of your own bed or halfway up a mountain, yeah, it's going to work in the same way. You're going to survive it. Yeah. It's going to pass. Yeah. And you will be okay. Like, you know, we just start to create ideas and stories of where we need to be, what we need to do to be okay. And, and actually, it's not true. It's just it's sort of reassurance that we give ourselves based on an illusion, basically, of something that we make up. That it is, it is, better. yeah. And I, I often talk about stories. And when I say that, I, I try to clarify with clients that I'm not saying you're lying or you're fabricating something, but we do make up a story around certain things that, you know, I won't have a panic attack if I'm at home. Well, yeah, you probably will do, but you forget. Whereas you remember the ones where you're outside yeah. and in public or you're out it with feels a, so that's it. Yeah, yeah. And it's things like, um, you know, people will say, well, I went out and I went to the supermarket and then I got so anxious, I had a panic attack and I had to just get myself home really quick. And once I got home, it passed. Well, actually, in that 10 minutes it took you to get home, it's passed. But actually, if you were still in the supermarket, it yeah. would have passed also. Yeah. And yet... Yeah. Then the belief is it's because I went home and we continuously reaffirm these stories yeah. that it would have carried on forever if I had not gone back home. And actually it doesn't because it always settles. Which isn't a criticism. And I think it's really important that we don't judge ourselves or criticise ourselves, but just what well, I always just notice what, what's going on. We always do our best in that moment. Of course we do, I yeah. back to some of the stuff I've done when I've, worried about having a panic attack you know cancelled things rearranged things told lies like literally not because I'm a bad person but because I felt like I can't do this yeah. and I'm embarrassed I'm ashamed and I've got to somehow get out of this because without people knowing why yeah, I can't yeah. possibly <laughs> be in this situation and you know all of that then then builds and then then we feel bad about that and then we worry about that shame and, and everything else yeah yeah goes round and round when actually it, it, the more we realize that you know, I'd say one of the biggest things for me now, and one of the things I encourage my daughter is, no matter how we're feeling, knowing that we can still say yes to everything, yeah. we can still say yes to living our life, to doing things, and knowing that whatever we're faced with, whatever comes up, we will manage. Yeah. Because we always do. Yeah. It might not pan out exactly how you had it planned in your head, well, but you will get through it. Yeah, it's your perception of what managing means and coping. So when I look back, again, at times where I was particularly anxious and I wouldn't have wanted to get out of bed because I felt so anxious. I could look at that and go, gosh, I didn't cope at all. I was terrible. Yeah. Now I don't see it like that. I go, I was coping. Yeah. All right, I was stuck in my bed, but that was my way of coping at that moment. Yeah. And I survived it. Yeah. And We do the best that we can with what we've got at the time. And, That's it. Yeah, you know, exactly. So yeah. That was all I knew at the time. So I don't beat myself up for it. I just know that and actually look back now with appreciation for where I'm at thinking, well, I'm glad I know more now than yeah. what I knew then. But I don't worry about the fact that or beat myself up for, for where I was um, and don't even see them as bad decisions. I just see them as decisions that I made at the time based on what I knew. Yeah. And I think that if we take it back to parenting now, I think if there's anything that I could say to parents out there, that would be it, is that there's very few parents 
purposely cause harm to their children, but yet we think that we're not doing the best that we can. If, if we're struggling with anxiety or depression or any sort of mental health thing, am I going to pass this on? Are they going to catch it from me? Am I damaging my children? All these sort of thoughts yeah. and stories that go on. Yeah. But as 99.9% of parents are doing the best that they can with what they have available. Yeah, and that's that's all we can go off yeah. in that moment. And Parent Plus, one of the things that you came up with that I love is that at Parent Plus we're perfectly aware that we're not perfect. We don't strive yeah. for perfection. If you saw us both now, sat here. <laughs> <laughs> we can do podcasts because there's no video so nobody yeah. can see what we're like. So, yeah, we're perfectly aware that we're not perfect. And I, I think that's something that I would love to instill in my children is that you, there is no such thing as perfection. One of the things I say to one of the first things that I say with any children that I'm working with or working with in schools particularly in schools and you know some people might disagree but one of the first things I want to instill in them is that we are from this moment forward we are striving to be average yeah we are not striving for perfection we are not striving for top three we are not striving for 100 percent that doesn't mean we're not going to get it but actually the irony is the less we strive for that the more, more likely, likely we are yeah. to hit that yeah you know, I sound a bit big-headed saying this, but I've probably never put as little effort into my business and my work as I have that I do now, and it's probably never been as successful, because I don't put huge pressure on myself. I don't have massive expectations. I go with the flow, and because I'm much more relaxed about it and follow my gut instincts, it's going in the direction that it, yeah. it's, it's to be, you yeah. know, and I think like anything at the time I'd be like oh gosh you know got to do this or got to achieve that and, and, and actually that as soon as we put any sort of pressure expectation on ourselves like that it becomes draining yeah is that an age thing I, I sometimes wonder, and I, I am a quite a curious person but I wonder whether <clears throat> if I could give my younger self advice I'm not sure she would listen to it anyway I don't know whether we go through what we need to go through in order to get to where we are I don't know if that's necessary age. I just think that's life. Yeah. It's a bit deep, that, isn't it, for a podcast? <laughs> on, a, on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's necessarily age. It's time, it's time, it's experience, and it's awareness. And that, to me, doesn't correlate necessarily to age. Because I think we all hit a phase in life when we misunderstand how human nature works, where things get on top of us, we get overwhelmed, we get anxious, we get into a spiral. Now, that could happen when you're 13 or it could happen when you're 18. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like when enough becomes enough, doesn't it? When, when we just keep going and going and going and, and not listening to our bodies and not listening to, not taking the warning signs that our mind and body is telling us and just keep ignoring and pushing through and pushing through. But some people do that for a lot longer than others. And so I'm not so sure... Because I'd like to say, you know, people say that, oh, as you get older, you know, you don't care as much what other people think, but I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't care what people think as much as what I did when I was younger. Do you not? It's like I said, looking back, I'm not sure that my younger self would take advice from me now. See, when I think back to my, I would, I was just very, very adaptive, though, as a child. Yeah. To me, I was... I was just like, yeah, a little, a little old woman in my head, really. So I've always felt old-headed. So I would have listened because that's you? what you do. Yeah. Very good. I think yeah. you were just naughty. You I just wouldn't like a little shit to me. Well, no, I was, I was very good. I didn't have any of the normal teenage. So I left all that to my sister. No, I'm just not sure that. Yeah, it might. That be. I, I would have. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows?
But then if I look at my 12-year-old now, and I know, well, touch wood, it doesn't, but I, I'm, there's a good chance this could change very soon. <laughs> and this is a recording and oh, I will be gosh. able to play it back. Yeah, Go be, for it, Sarah. I'm crying into a wine glass in three years' time. But she, you know, she's, I don't even want to say it like I'm jinxing myself, but she's very compliant. Yeah. Like, you know, she 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 listens, she's open-minded, she understands so much more than I ever did at 12 about her own, how her own mind works yeah. and how her... But then again, that's not to say that she's not going to get caught up in... See, my, my son is... is he, he does understand emotions and feelings and what's going on in his head and everything, but he's certainly not compliant. Even even less so. Well, yeah, because we can choose what we do. With those that, can't we? teenage years of really. This is another thing actually. It's just reminded me that I think it's important when parents are saying, "Oh, it's it's my fault." You know, I'm doing a parenting course pilot at the moment, a six week thing, and and something that's come up, I'd say with with most people on there is this like, "Well, I know I've not done them any favors, and I, you know, it's the way that I've done this, or I know that I've probably yeah. done too much of this or too little of that." And, because, you know, we could all say that. And and my answer to that, you know, from my own experience, is I'm one of five children. We were all brought up... We were all brought up in the same house with the same, you know, the same, I don't know, material things, the same... The same boundaries, yeah, yeah. And we're all very different. Yeah. You know, I, I suffer with really bad anxiety, Um the others haven't. They've got their own vices and, you know, weaknesses. And all, if you want to call it a weakness, it's not. But their own sort of challenges, I suppose. But we're all different. Yeah. So, yes, the way that, you know, our parents do things, we can take that on and we can either pick, you know, for example, if someone's parents an alcoholic, you'll find that some of the children might then have this belief that they've now got addictive qualities because their parents are an alcoholic and they're more likely to yeah. drink and and then you'll have other children in that same family who might be completely teetotal because they've both made very different decisions. decisions. Yeah. Okay, maybe some of that based on their experience, yeah. but there's no hard and fast rules about if you are like this with your child, that's how they will respond because they'll all respond in their own way. Yeah. I love that there's a, a, a story that somebody once said to me about a parent said to, she had two sons and she said to both of them, you're going to end up in a mental institute. And one of them was a patient and one was a doctor. Yeah. Children will take what they want from the message that you're giving them. And it's usually not the one that you want them to have. Yeah. And absolutely. The, the, so the key is, it's not about being so hell bent on the decisions that you're making and things that you're doing and then seeing that that's going to directly impact your child. That's why all of the stuff, certainly I know that you as well, do, we do with children is about helping them understand that their thoughts create their feelings and then their behaviours, their decisions, their actions are as a response to that. Yeah. Well, that's very much their own thoughts and their own feelings. Yeah. Because actually that's what's empowering, that they realise that, you know, it's awful to grow up with a parent that's an alcoholic and then have a belief that you're going to be at risk of that yeah. for the rest of your life. Like, it's all mapped out for you. Yeah. Not, that's yeah. not how it works. No. So, you know, it, I think it's good to empower them in the way that letting them realise that they they do have choices. And that's where, you know, simple things like getting children to understand that every thought they have, that their thoughts are not truths, they're just thoughts. Yeah. That, we give know, them energy and then they 
Yeah, they become, can ignore them. Yeah, they can yeah. choose to ignore yeah. them and they don't have to dictate their actions and their future Yeah, rather than worrying about what we're doing to them. That's it. How terrible we are. And it is, and it's, it's that mummy guilt. So I know dads have guilt as well and I'm not, you know, stereotyping, but it is that thing that I am going to do this to them. They, I, You know, I'm responsible for everything that happens to my children. And society has a wonderful way of putting that on parents as well. Yeah, I think it does, yeah. And I don't think that... I've ever worked with any parent who's anxious, who does not have a worry or a concern that they are passing that on yeah. to their children, you know, and and yet, so if I think back again to me, when I used to work, I don't worry about that now because I know that's not how it works, but at the time I did think that's how it worked and I think if I make her anxious, yet there were so many wonderful things I was giving to her, yeah. so many positive traits I was displaying to her and that they wouldn't get a look in. I wouldn't be thinking, no. Oh, she's got my confidence or she's got I'm gonna my... make her confident yeah, and stand and on like, her own two feet you know, and be imagine, independent. Oh my God. Imagine if I forced <laughs> her into like, you know, really good communicating with people. Wow. Like none of that would ever feature. Yeah. It was it, you know, we're very good at picking out things to beat ourselves yeah. with. Yeah. And you know, quite frankly, we don't need to. And that's I suppose where my passion is is with parents and families is getting them to take a step back from this bubble that they're in and realising how well actually they are doing and that they, you know, they are not ultimately responsible for every thought and feeling that their children has. Or anybody else. We are only responsible for ourselves to, you know, in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you? Um, Sorry, Taylor. Facebook. Instagram. I am on TikTok. Are you on TikTok? I don't even know what. Oh, somebody said about TikTok. TikTok's not good, is it? It's brilliant. I think not had some bad things about. Every time, any social media, certain types of people saying that they're accessing children on it. Is that what I'm thinking? This will happen in every social media platform that we ever have. That they will start. Will come out. It'll be an influx. Oh, we should have done a podcast on TikTok. An influx of people will come on, it'll get really popular, and then the scaremongering comes in. There's paedophiles on there. I'm That's sorry. the story. That's all I've heard about yeah. TikTok. Well, I'm yeah. sorry to disappoint you, but there's paedophiles everywhere. There is. That is very true. Yeah, and I don't know whether that's my... But I'm not on TikTok. I worked in sex offender hostels for, for a number of years in probation, and, and yeah, it's quite horrifying, but, you know, you probably don't go for more than an hour in your day if you are out of your house without passing a paedophile. I hate to say it, but... That's a lovely thought. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm talking of scaremongering. Um, no, but, but, so, Joe, let's not go off track now. How can people get in touch with you? Right. On TikTok. <laughs> we will come back and do another yeah, thing we'll do about another, social media, we'll maybe. This, but yeah. yeah, but just because I have to finish this time, it's going to annoy me. But, it's, again, it's about showing our children how to take care of themselves, not to believe everything everybody tells them, not to be enticed and seduced by a complete random stranger. And ultimately, if I think about my daughter, her friends and people that I know, the children that potentially end up in conversations with people they shouldn't, more often than not, it comes down to the fact that they feel like they can't say no. Yeah. So rather than worrying about self-esteem and issues like that, let's teach our children to say no, to be okay with questioning things, to be okay with wondering. Yeah. Anyway, I'll show you. And as no, I agree. And as a pair, you know, that that comment came out 
England. I said it because that's all I've seen on Facebook, but I know nothing about TikTok. So I think that we should educate ourselves about certain things. My son uses Snapchat. That's what he he Mm, does. Yeah, his daughter does. And Snapchat, your stuff disappears after a few seconds. You can't even check your children's Snapchat. Well, yeah, it's it's not, you know, but it's knowledge for me. I don't know anything about TikTok, so I need to... I'm very much an advocate of... Listen, our children... The way of the world is social media. It's, it's changing. Online. It's evolving they, constantly. They are yeah. going to be using this stuff. Whether we like it or not. in their jobs, yeah. whatever yeah. they do. Where even if they work in a cafe, the chances are in 10 years' time, they'll be ordering via an app when they sit down at the table. Or, you know, yeah. that's the way it's They going. are now. Yeah. Eat me or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. Deliveroo and that's all it. the rest of yeah. um, other food deliveries are, are available <laughs> yeah but um yeah so it's, it's more about confidence self-esteem and again trusting their own gut instincts yeah yeah um so, and yeah. the lines of communication are open that if anything does happen that they yeah, feel they able feel to come and talk yeah, yeah yeah so um so people can get in touch with Facebook, you sari taylor dancing on tiktok gmail what's your email no, it's sari at sarrytaylor.com that's the one and my website is just sarrytaylor.com on Facebook, Instagram, bit of Twitter, not much. Bit of everything. I think I'm on LinkedIn as well. Spread yourself around. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd just like to say thank you so much for being with me on this podcast. Enjoy. And we'll do another one very soon. Okay. Yeah. Great. Speak to you soon.